O thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. I might need my mic. <laughs> Hello, people. Spend today in a conversation in the mirror, face to face with somebody less than perfect. I wouldn't choose me first if I was looking for a champion. In fact, I'd understand if you'd pick everyone before me. But that's just not my story. To who you are, you saw my heart and made something out of nothing. I don't need my name in lights, my faith is in my father's eyes. Make no mistake, he knows my name. <laughs> I'm already so adored. Yeah, I am. <laughs> He knows my name. He knows my name. Alright, people, I'm just going to share this out. This is Francesca Battiselli, by the way. I'm not meant to just stay quiet. I'm meant to be a lion. I'll roar beyond a song. Roar. Every moment that I've got you. you are, you saw my heart. Something out of nothing. I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous in my father's eyes. Make no mistake, he knows my name. I'm not living for applause. I'm already so adored. He knows my name. She's got a high soprano voice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, she does. He calls me chosen, free, forgiven, wanted child of the king, held in treasure. I am loved. I don't need my name in life. Nope. <laughs> I'm famous in my father's eyes. I believe my name in life. I'm famous in my father's eyes. Make no mistake. He knows my name. For applause. I'm already so adored. He knows my name. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. That's such a good song. I love that song. All right, people. So that is the song called He Knows My Name. And he knows your name, people. Yeah, he does. Okay, so, hey. <laughs> 
Welcome to uh, tonight's Saturday night edition of Bible News Radio. As you all know, I am your sweet and lovable host. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Live from Middle Tennessee, it's Saturday night. No. Well, it is Saturday night, but... That's a nice little yeah. thingy you got going on there. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> so, yesterday, Periscope highlighted us. Today, we're back to normal. I'm sure of it. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why they did that yesterday but it cracked me up a friend of mine's like go just go with it go with it so anyway hey everybody welcome to the show glad you're here if you are a new viewer or listener to the podcast welcome people I am Stacy Lynn Harp no ease in my name anywhere see note no ease anywhere yep I'm your host yeah I am you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to look at some news. We have we have a handful of stories I pulled that I think are very important to our Christian health and well-being. And so that's actually what we're going to talk about tonight, and including something I'm trying to find. Of course, I don't know where it went, but don't worry. We'll find it, people. So in the meantime, let me... Let me... Are you looking for your hairbrush? No. Oh, did you bring it up? Yeah, I brought it up here. I'm sure that uh, we could find the same research online. I'll, I'll be the researcher, the crack reporter back here, and I'll find it. I thought it was right here on my desk. Well, if you guys could see my desk, you would be like going, no wonder you can't find it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's kind of funny, actually. Well, it was here. Maybe the dog ate it. That'd be funny if, if the dog really did eat it. I'd be like, hey, the dog ate it. Okay. Well, anyway, let me welcome... Oh, here it is. I found it. Uh-huh. People. I knew I could find it. What was the title of the study? Or what is... What, hmm? What's the title of the study? Title of the show? Study. Oh, the study in here? Yeah. Wait, hold on. I'll tell you. Hold on one it's moment, please. This just in, people. Let's see. I gotta open the page up. Yep. There is a staple in here. Really? There wasn't. Really? Oh, it just feels like it. Okay. What pastors are good at? No, no, no. The the at the end of the article, it's uh, the ups and downs of ministry. That's it. Thank okay. You. So look. All right. So this is very interesting. You're gonna go straight to it. Well, no, actually. We'll get to this in a minute, momentarily. <laughs> we'll momentarily get to it. Okay, anyway, thank you all for coming in. Hey, by the way, just so you know, uh, I tried to send out a text message, but for some reason my text message service didn't let me know. You know, just saying. Oh, we've got much better infographics here on the official site, just so you know. Oh, cool. Really? So when it comes time for that, we can uh, use it. <laughs> Oh, okay, good. Ooh, awesome sauce. Okay, so we just got a message from Rocket Man, Rockets Man. Hi, Stacy and group. Been watching a month. You guys are great. Smiley face, Brent. Aw, thank you, Brent. Glad you like the show. We're a unique show. You're not here yet? (laughs) Yeah, you are. Hey, Sherry and Mia 
and Sharon and your highness, your highness. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see who else can I see in there. Mr. Michigan, Angie, Lorenzo, Robert. Okay, I don't know who else is in there, but okay. So just so you know, the group is Randall, Pandal Bareface. Mm -hmm. He's all those things and more. <laughs> it's just Randall and me. That's it. And it's obvious, isn't it? Just saying. Okay, anyway, um, let's see. One more thing. I'm going to flip over to YouTube. And if anybody is watching on YouTube, thank you for watching over there. If you're on Facebook, I know you're some somebody's there probably. Thank you for watching as well. I'm going to go ahead and mute that over there. Okay. All right. So let's read Psalm 139. Okay. Thanks for the warning. Oh, sorry. My bad. Don't worry. It won't take long. Don't worry, people. <laughs> you know, you don't have to put it up. Don't worry. You don't have to see God's word to have me read it to you. I wanted to read this because of the song I just played because it's a great it's a great song and it's just, this is confirming this song. Okay. So Psalm 139 is a Psalm of David. And he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thoughts from afar. Yeah, you do. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, Oh Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before you laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. Yeah, it will. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book, your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. But do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. 
I don't know about you people, but I love this psalm. It's one of my favorites. Um, I think it's, it gives, if you really meditate on this psalm, there is not ever a moment in your Christian walk that you will ever feel like you're abandoned, not known, not loved, not understood, not protected, not aware that God loves you. Because he knew us before we were formed. He saw our unformed substance. He knit us together in our mother's womb he, secretly. He saw that. And, and the, you know, this is the crazy thing is that, you know, um, technology today, you know, we can see the ultrasounds and we can see the, you know, the baby develop and grow and, and, and all that. But you can't, I mean, you can see it happen, but you can't see how it happens. And there's a little bit, there's a difference, right? It's not like when you look at this, you see God's hand going like this, you know, like, you know, doing this little weaving back and forth. And if you look at your hand, your skin, and you realize that we have unique fingerprints, right? And footprints. Um, when you really stop and dwell on that and you look at, at your hand and, and know, even twins, there's a difference, right? Triplets, there's a difference. You are uniquely made. And I don't know about you, but the fact that God did that is quite amazing when you think about how many people he created. <laughs> no duplicates, you know? it's it's a it's an amazing thing and then uh you know and and like he talked david talks about darkness and light and how they're the same to god and you know he talks about where he where can he go from god's presence you can't go anywhere from god's presence he's everywhere um and so it's a real real powerful um thing and and you know um verse two says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up and you understand my thoughts from afar. Now think about that a minute. Now, how many of you would feel creeped out if somebody like here, like knew when you sat down and when you got up or they knew your thoughts? Wouldn't that creep you out? Like, like if Bareface knew every time I sat down or stood up, you know, and he texted me and he's like, I know you just got up <laughs> or like if one of you texted me hey i know you just stood up yesterday over there <laughs> that would freak you out right but this is how much god like as, i saw you beneath as, the fig tree yeah as our father he, he actually loves us he created us and you know this became real to me when um when god sent a coupon for always feminine protection to me in the mail one afternoon and <laughs> If you're new to the show, you probably haven't heard this story, but I'll, the short version is God sent me this coupon and all week this coupon bothered me. It was unusual, actually. It was totally unusual for me to, to get a coupon for Always Feminine Protection and it was totally unusual for something like that to like be on my mind all week, but it was. And finally, after fighting with this voice in my head, which I thought was my own, but apparently it wasn't. Um, I went down to Target on a Saturday afternoon at a specific time after literally thinking about this coupon all week long. And it was specifically for Target. And there I met a couple who had been praying to meet my husband be because they were Gideons and they needed to meet the, the president of the Gideons in the city of Orange where, where we used to live. 
And this couple had no, I, no clue how to get in touch with them. And yet God gave me this coupon. It harassed me for a week. And then when I walked in, I walked in right directly to the person that God wanted me to meet. And I did. <laughs> and that was what, 10, 12 years ago. What that taught me was God knows you. He really does know me, know you. And shortly after that, God also sent a pair of male shoes out of the blue to our house from Amazon. True story. I had ordered a pair of shoes for myself, a pair of sneakers, and they came. And then the next day, I got another pair of shoes. They were men's shoes, and they happened to fit Randall perfectly. And he needed shoes. We just couldn't afford to buy two pairs. Nobody knew that but God, right? <laughs> so just saying, God knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows what your needs are. And here's the thing. He loves you. You know, he loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you even on your horrible days. He loves you when you have bad breath, when you fart. God loves you, just so you know. Not that you needed to hear that part, but hey, maybe somebody did. Just saying. <laughs> anyway, so um, so just be encouraged by that. Go read Psalm 139 before you go to bed tonight. I think you might. I'd like to make just three short points about the psalm. Okay, Not cool. a five-point sermon, just three. Okay. Uh, one, like you said, you can't, you can't be separated from God. You can't be away from his presence. Mm -hmm. And we see that illustrated by a common Hebrew device by drawing the extremes of things. You know, when I sit up, when I stand up, when I sit down, basically rise up. Um, you know, darkness or light, two extremes. And, you know, the wings of the morning, i.e. the east, sunrise, or take the uttermost parts of the sea, that would be the Mediterranean Sea out in the west. Mm -hmm. You know, there's... Here are the two extremes of several things, and there's God. There's no, by drawing the extremes, it means everything in between. Uh, another thing, the second point is, uh, verse 6, where he says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Well, where did that knowledge come from? I mean, it's not like stuff we made up. I mean, look at children. You were talking the other day about the puppet, you know, and the and the puppeteer's mouth is moving, but they're right. But they're looking at the puppet, like, wow, this puppet can talk or whatever, you know. Or we're we're easily deceived and things like that. And so, so it's not like we're going to. Our minds are pretty finite. We're not going to invent things that um, elude our own comprehension, if that makes sense. And he says, such knowledge is too high for me. I can't attain it. I mean, we don't make up stuff that we then can't get a mental grasp on. You know? <laughs> if it originates our mind, we can... So that tells me that this knowledge is is divine revelation. It's not something that David made up. That's something that other people made up and he was taught. When he says this knowledge is too high for me, I can't attain to it. This idea that he's everywhere. There's this omnipresent omniscient God. Right. That's that can only come from that's not his knowledge. It's it's divine revelation. And last point, third point, I said three. All right. I know at the end he talks about, you know, I hate them with a cruel hatred, those who hate you. Mm -hmm. And and we may look at that and like, oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's our biblical proof. 
verse taken out of context, we can hate the enemies of God and we can wish them. But what does he follow up? You know, verse 22 says, I hate them with utmost hate. They become my enemies. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thought. And see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me the way everlasting or in the everlasting way, depending on your... Right. So I get it. It's like, this is how I feel, but you know what? God, I could be wrong here. I I will defer to you. Search me. Hey, if there's anything hurtful way in me, lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me in your way. Uh, he's honest with his feelings, which is cool, but he's open to the fact that he could be, you know, not in the everlasting way, not in God's way. That's right. Well, he... With his response to the enemies of God. Isn't it neat that we got to see David's journal? Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. And You music- wouldn't want to read mine. Mine's super boring. Musical journal as well. I actually write about a lot of you in it. So, like, dear diary. No, just kidding. <laughs> Only if you really get on my nerves do you get into it. Just saying. No, <laughs> no just, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually, I don't know. How many of you had a diary or a journal when you were a kid? I did. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was just funny, but it was people. Okay. So what are we going to do now? What, what do you want to do? Do I do the mark of the beast or do you want to do this other thing? Um, what is the other thing? The Gideon thing. We can do that. If you want to do that, since you've got it in your hand. This just in people. Okay. So... Oh, yeah. Okay. So October is coming up right around the, the, the corner. Only a few more shopping days for my birthday. <laughs> Just so you know. Anyway, okay. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. This month, as we celebrate our pastors and build relationships with them, let's not forget how difficult their job is and how wide-ranging their responsibilities are. The better we understand them and their needs, the better we can serve them as we come alongside them as fellow laborers for our Lord Jesus Christ. Here are some insights from Barna Research regarding what pastors love and what they consider themselves best at. When Randall was reading this earlier today, um, I have to tell you, uh, it was funny because it gives a list of what pastors believe. Okay, if pastors have to pick just one aspect of being a pastor that they love most, here's what they said. Pay attention to this, you guys. This is startling, and this is why we're bringing it up, because I told Randall when I heard this, I was like, we got to talk about this for a few minutes. Okay, number one, uh, pastors believe uh, they like... um, This is what they love. This is what they love in the order... pastoral duties. Okay, so they love preaching and teaching, which I would hope, duh, hello, if you're a pastor, I would hope you'd love that. 66%. So there's, there's like, I don't know, couple percent there that that don't like that <laughs> developing other leaders 10 percent. i find that sad just so you know i find it sad 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 super sad sad that pastors don't like to develop other leaders pastors are leaders by kind of default because duh hello you're up there preaching and you're a leader this is why i think john maxwell is so popular because he is a pastor He's really a pastor's pastor's, but he is a very well known for developing leaders. In fact, all of his books pretty much are on leadership. If you've never gotten any of his books, um, 
I highly encourage it. Discipling believers, 8%. This is why this is why I told Randall we need to talk about this because this show, the whole purpose of this show is to help help you grow in your Christian faith, confidence in knowing how to apply the word of God to the culture today so that you can be bold in your faith, not ashamed of the gospel and be confident when the when the culture of the day comes whapping at you and saying, you know, Christians are poor, uneducated, and easy to command. Then you can say, uh-uh, no, I'm not. I'm not poor. I'm not uneducated. And I certainly am not easy to command. I'm not stupid for by any stretch. Um, and I can easily, you know, refute your attack um, by that. But if you're not discipling believers, and see, this goes to what we talked about yesterday, where some people think the church should be like a psych hospital, I don't think so. The church should be discipling people. We should be a university discipling people like Precept Ministries does, you know, getting people into God's word, just like Ariel Ministries does, getting people into God's word, teaching them God's word so that then the word of God in us, we can apply it out there as God transforms us. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, going (laughs) into all the world and make disciples. Yeah, it's kind of important, don't you think? Not just hold revival meetings, you know, tent revivals and make converts and or get people to sign cards, but to make disciples. That's the primary, that's what the Lord commissioned the apostles to do. And he said, teaching them everything that I have taught you. Right. Which includes making disciples. They were to teach, you know. Disciples, and so developing other leaders—that's part of discipleship. As you make disciples, you develop other leaders, right? Because they will, you know, when they're discipled in spiritual life, discipled in the Word, you know, they grow in spiritual things. They will become spiritual leaders, and so for them, uh, only ten percent pastors love that about their job i mean eight percent they love discipling believers but then get this evangelizing sharing the gospel six percent i mean that is completely that's insane but it tells you something right six percent there pastoral care five percent just so you know don't be bugging your pastor because they don't care about you (laughs) i'm just saying dirty sheep um organize, organizing church events 2% and other 2%. I would say organizing church events that's not a that's not a biblical pastoral <laughs> job. You know, the job of the overseers that we see it, in Titus and Timothy. Um right. organizing church events is not one of them, but the first 5 definitely are. Yeah. With with the discipling believers being paramount. Which is which is what preaching and teaching is and developing other leaders is all about. I mean, yeah. it's for the purpose of discipling. So then, okay, so then this this goes on to say, check this out. Um, what pastors are good at, here's how many pastors rate themselves as excellent on each pastoral task. Preaching and teaching, 57%. Connecting with neighborhood or city, 29%. And how much you want to make a bet... That if we dug deeper into that 29%, it would be the Halloween Fall Fest or whatever the heck you want to call it. And it would be Christmas and maybe Easter. 
if we're lucky. That would be the big events that they would reach out for. Um, uh, leading the organization, 29%. Counseling and pastoral care, 24%. That's really interesting because only 5%, 5%. love that about the job. But they 24% rate themselves as good pretty, at it. Pretty good at it, right. It's like, I don't like to do this, but I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Mentoring younger leaders, 14% evangelizing sharing the gospel 10 percent. hello 10 percent. okay so we just looked that way what was that one it was um evangelizing sharing the gospel six percent is what love pastors it. love and then what pastors are good at it's only 10 percent. and then mobilizing six percent well the the good news is <laughs> with the with the actual study in front of me here uh -huh. is that um, the sample size is 374 U.S. Protestant pastors. So that's a good sample size. 374. Though. If you have a sample size of 100, it's considered a good sample. If it's yeah. above that, yeah. And I suppose if it's you know geographically dispersed, then it's. I'd be really interested good. in seeing the breakdown and actually the denominations that did that though, because. You know, clearly, okay, honestly, when most of us think about a church, we're thinking about the mega churches, okay? I mean, that's usually what I think of. I don't think of, the, like, my church, which is, I think, a couple hundred, 300 people that go to our church, something like that. that. You know, the average church in America is under 100, okay? So, you know, you can kind of understand some of that, but it's kind of sad. And it really goes back to years ago when I worked before I was married, or were I, was I married when I worked there at Church Growth Development? Uh, uh, no. No, it was before I was married. So it was a long time ago, 30 years ago, something like that. I had this job where I called pastors up I, to get, I was, I was a telemarketer, kind of, and my job was to call and get appointments with the pastors so that um, this company could go and do fundraising in the church and help them learn fundraising. I called hundreds of pastors all over America, and I decided way back then when I was 20 or however old I was to ask them, why did you become a pastor? And I'll never forget the answers that I got because the overwhelming majority of the pastors said to me, I want people to like me. Uh, I was kind of hoping that becoming a pastor would make me feel better about myself uh, and all that. I only had one pastor in like the hundreds that I talked to, one. It was a, it was a Southern uh, gospel black pastor in the South who said he became a pastor because he felt God's call in his life to be a pastor. One. So here's the thing. If... A man is a pastor, but God never called him to that position. It's no wonder they are not, they don't love what they're doing as far as Bible, discipleship, evangelism, all that, because it's not God's call on their life. And I would venture to guess that the prevailing majority of people who lead churches today have not been called to that pastor pastoral position. Randall and I go to a church where I know the pastor is actually a shepherd. He was really truly called of God to be a shepherd to the people in the church. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in the church if it was, trust me. If 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 the guy was <laughs> it's not it still cracks me up. But anyway. Oh, on the graphic it says N equals three hundred and seventy four, but here in the um Anyway, the verbiage, it says, uh, 
This study was conducted on behalf of Pepperdine University. A total of 900 wow. Protestant senior pastors were interviewed by telephone and online from April through December 2015. Anyway, pastors were recruited from publicly available church listings covering 90% of U.S. churches that have a physical address and a listed phone number or email address. Churches selected for inclusion were called up to five times at different times of the day to increase the probability of successful contact. The sample error for this study is plus or minus 3.1 percentage points at the 95% confidence level. So, still. That's a great sample size. Yeah, it is. And it's sad, but it also goes back to what I was just saying, and that is that most pastors are not called to be... The people claiming to be pastors are not... Are not called of God. That's not the, their genuine calling. You know, which is which is what the word vocation means. You know, what is mm-hmm. your vocation? What is your calling? I oh. tend to ask, what is your occupation? Now, what is your vocation? See, because I, I, people, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I think you're you are called to be. I think I think you you have that gifting. I think you have that call. But I don't know why we're not using it, but whatever. <laughs> That's just my opinion. How many of you think Randall's got a pastor's heart? Just put a one. And you I don't have, have to lie. Pastor's heart. Pastor's heart or the gift of teaching. All right. That's okay. different than I a think, pastoral okay, calling. So I think, okay, so... Well, yes, but I still think that's it's a pastoral gift. Okay, just put a one if you really think that Randall's got a pastoral something in him. In him because... Maybe this right here. I think... That he does. Well, so far we got two ones. Yes, he has the gift of teaching. That's what Kim says. Our congregation called our minister. Yeah, okay. But did God? That's the question. Uh, Sharon says one. Angie says one. Yeah, see? There you go. It's unanimous. Mm-hmm. Mister. Now, how many of you think I have the gift of pastoral care? You'd be totally wrong if you thought so. <laughs> I don't. My gift is teaching and exhortation, um, which is such a hard gift, man. Do you know how hard it is to have the gift of exhortation and teaching and be sweet and lovable all at the same time? <laughs> Just saying. Kind of is. Ugh. All right. Let's look at the mark of the beast. Um, Seems Randall used that as the title of the show. The clickbait, intentional clickbait. Um, let's see here. I got to find the article, though. But I put it in front of your face. Oh, there it is right there. <laughs> All right, so this is over on rap- Rapture. Uh, ready. Ready. Behold, I am coming quickly. Revelation 3.11. Okay. So this was written September 9th, as you guys could see right there. Right there where I'm pointing. See, this is kind of like with the cat. When the cat sees the bird, he he doesn't know that it's just a screen and he hits it. So it's, I can't hit it to tell you point there, but whatever. Anyway, the mark of the beast goes mainstream. One of the most helpful tools I use in the analysis of Bible prophecy is a comparison of how people perceived events years ago and how they view these same events today. In the 1960s, the government believed that people with homosexual tendencies were mentally ill. Here in the 21st century, gay is the way. 
You've probably heard about state officials who try to compel florists or bakers to violate their religious beliefs and participate in same-sex weddings. In Minnesota, the state claims the authority to do the same to filmmakers. A Christian film company was told to add gay couples to its film to show the normalcy of same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. Another huge change in perception has been how people view technology that could compromise their privacy. I still remember when any news story about software or machines that could track your movements was viewed in a negative light. Today, people are blind to technology that can observe and track everything you do, people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Employees at the Three Square Market in River Falls, Wisconsin, actually celebrated by wearing, quote, I got chipped, unquote, t-shirts after they were implanted with microchips by their bosses. The firm's operating officer, Patrick McMullen, dismisses any concerns that microchipping his employees is akin to Big Brother. He told detractors to, quote, take your cell phone and throw it away to defend this invasive practice. Three Square Market is looking to drastically expand the technology and make it standardized, showing how it can already be used to open doors, buy food items, and turn on computer portals. The company's CEO, Todd Westby, demonstrated how the microchips can effectively store biometric information as well. I scanned my hand, and here's my driver's license information, Westby said, holding up his phone. And by the way, do you think it's any shock and, you know, big news that, like with iPhone and others, you can now use your biometric finger to open your phone without having to do that? Hmm? Just saying. One of my neighbors has their house wired with Amazon's Alexa device. You can, you can ask Alexa to turn on the lights or play music. You can ask Alexa a silly question like, do you have a boyfriend or which came first, the chicken or the egg? If you ask where can I hide a body or what would be the best location to explode an improvised nu nuclear bomb, there is a possibility that the FBI may pay you a visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine doing that, people. Mm -hmm. The Internet provides the government with vast powers in controlling the population. One example of this danger is the number of, number of times authorities shut down the Internet to control or stifle. Typically used during times of civil unrest or political instability, a shutdown allows officials to stifle the flow of information about government wrongdoing or to stop communication among activists, usually by ordering service providers to cut or slow their customers' internet access, which we know has actually taken place. When Zimbabwe turned off the internet during a recent crackdown, Obert, somebody, I'm not going to say worry. what he said, a prominent government critic had no way of knowing when it was safe to emerge from hiding. The Indian government employs the practice more frequently than any other. In 2018, there were at least 196 shutdowns in 25 countries, up from 75 in 24 countries in 2016, according to re research by Access Now, an independent watchdog group that campaigns for Internet rights. In the first half of this year alone, there were 114 shutdowns in 23 countries. How many of you guys knew that? Hmm? I bet you didn't. I bet you totally did and not. The horrifying vision of the future described by George Orwell in 1984 has been neutralized by the convenience that technology provides us. You can use your cell phone to watch the house, track the weather, and monitor the stock market. The apps on your phone also allow a dozen different companies to track your physical movement. Yep. Yep. 
By the way, we willingly are being tracked (laughs) with our Fitbits. China has started ranking citizens with a sinister social credit system. It gives a credit score for every citizen based on big data analysis. This surveillance system rewards and punishes people based on their behavior. The global community should be outraged that China has become an Orwellian state. Many governments are viewing the social credit system as something to emulate. Last, uh, last week, there was a news story on the Drudge Report that discussed using the China model to control people's access to guns. When I was a kid, I remember reading a Christian publication that described the mark of the beast as the product of a world gone mad. The world has collectively lost its mind, and it is clear that the introduction of a 6666 device would be welcomed by the vast majority of people. During the tribulation, we may have individuals wearing I Got Marked t-shirts. We have had the ability to create the mark for at least two decades. The lack of any meaningful opposition to this type of technology tells us that the tribulation hour is very near. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name people so todd wrote that and i have to tell you that you know the the encroaching creep the encroaching creep of technology and biometrics and transhumanism and science and politics and religion and ecumenicalism and all that is coming together very slowly but it's coming people i mean i think it's important to recognize the origins of the internet no al gore did not invent the internet it was originally arpanet the advanced research project agency which was it's the defense the department of defense uh creation and uh, it was a way to exchange information on research projects, advanced research projects for the Department of Defense. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing at Barb's comment. She said, can we get a religious exemption for the chip? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, you might be able to. Anyway, but uh, you yeah. know, advanced research projects for the government mm-hmm. aren't uh, how to grow better flowers or, you know... How to sing Kumbaya when the Department of Defense authorizes advanced research projects. Mm -hmm. You know, let's think about some of them. You know, the Manhattan Project, uh, you know, um, uh, Patriot Act, MKUltra, uh, you know, advanced (laughs) defense projects. And so, so when they created a network to facilitate this information exchange, which then went out to universities that had defense contracts, you know, getting the brightest to, and then, um, then all of a sudden in the pretty much the early nineties, it was, um, opened up to others. And, and so I kind of wonder, you know, was that just by popular demand that it was opened up? Or it was like, okay, now this thing is well-structured. It's time to get everybody and create the Internet of Things so we can track everyone, what they're doing, and, and spy on them really easily. I mean, it was a government project, advanced research project, 
You you impressed you, you impressed Darren. He said Randall just said ARPANET. He knows his history. Yeah. So um, and now it's grown into what it is. You know, Randall's coincidence. A com- Randall's a computer programmer. You do know that, right? Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. If you want to talk about what's in a in a uh, IP Internet Protocol pro- packet and all that stuff, but no. <sighs> but hey, the bright side is it gives us RTMP ultimately. Real-time messaging protocol, which we're using right now to stream this video to you. Anyway, so, we digress. It usually. is so, so weird. Well, and you know, I have a friend. Um, I don't know if she's watching right now. But um, it's interesting that Todd started this out talking about homosexuality being considered a mental illness in the 60s. And today it's it's perfectly fine, right? In fact, I was talking to a young lady today who was interested in going into the psychology field. And I was telling her uh, to read David Kupelian's book, The Marketing of Evil, um, and learn about the history of how that that actually got removed from the DSM and the activism behind it. And by the way, in case you're new to the show, we do have on YouTube.com um, forward slash Bible News Radio, we do have a series there called The Marketing of Homosexuality to America, which is based on a book written by homosexual activists. And we we literally typed out paragraphs of that book. We put it in there. We talked about it. And there's eight hours of it. So if you want to get educated and actually know what you're talking about instead of being indoctrinated, watch that watch that watch that series that I did. I should continue it, but I haven't. <laughs> anyway, all right. So there's another article um, too that I wanted to um, bring up the heaven and hell one. Yeah. So this this article um, it needs to be discussed as well. Okay. So it's titled "Heaven and Hell Are Real," and we're going and we're going to one of them. The other day, I found myself uh, talking to a bunch of sixteen-year-old girls. The conversation started quiet. I asked them about their faith, what they believed in. That day, I pushed myself to be a lot bolder than what I am comfortable with. So when a few of the girls mentioned they weren't really anything, I pushed myself to ask the question, what will happen to you when you die? There was a silence, and then the answer I hear all too often. I've never really thought about it. A painful reality. The topic of salvation makes a lot of people squirm in their boots. And I get it. If you are not confident about where you are going after you die, whether that be heaven or hell or a butterfly on earth, then there is an assumption that once you start to ask those questions, you might become quickly overwhelmed. I get shivers when I read scripture about eternity, and I've come to an understanding that this is okay for me. There is a holy fear in salvation, but this fear should be causing us to press in more to discover the truth about it, about it rather than passively ignore ignoring its existence in a society where everyone's right and no one likes to accept the fact that there are corrects and incorrects i'm i'm standing out on a limb and stating that heaven and hell are real i love the idea that perhaps hell doesn't exist or that everyone's religion could be right for them or if you're a good person in this life then you'll go to heaven but the more i read the bible the more i know that this just isn't true 
In all of my idealistic hopes for eternity, I simply can't stray from the fact that heaven is real and hell is too, and we're going to one of them. While there are pictures in our minds of what these two places may be like, we can see clearly in the Bible that the reality of those places is something of utter significance. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's in Matthew 25. And by the way, Keith Green did a really great song about this called The Sheep and the Goats. And uh, you, you should listen to it if you haven't heard it already. Eternity matters. I was really impacted by a dear friend of mine the other day in conversation when she mentioned how God had placed love for strangers so deep down in her heart that she simply couldn't love them without talking to them, them about their eternity. In her words, if I love this person so much, then sh shouldn't I be so concerned for them about whether they live eternity in hell or with Jesus? This is heavy stuff and actually not something I hear talked about all that often. True story, right? We as followers should have an understanding of what the Bible teaches about eternity, believe it, and live our lives as though it exists, not as though it doesn't. I cannot say whether someone is going to heaven or hell. God is the only judge, and he is the one with the names in the book of life. But the Bible promises that whoever believes in his, him has eternal life. Very, very truly, tr very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. John six forty nine. This eternal life has come from the belief in Jesus. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. John six forty four. Keeping these things in mind, I would encourage Christians to believe and live out their lives on earth, firstly, with the assurance of their salvation, which comes from Christ. Uh, the day of Jesus returning can be the greatest day of your life, rather than the absolute worst. But in that, I'm not denying the fact that this most likely is still going to be full on, and to secondly, live passionately defending and fighting for our brothers and sisters' eternity also. We cannot make the decision for them to follow Christ, but we can love wholeheartedly and dare to be bold. This life and its troubles only last a second compared to the next. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to become to mind. Isaiah 65, 17. So there you have it, people. And you know what? A lot of people say that um, they don't understand salvation because salvation... You know, people are like, when Christians use lingo, like, well, are you saved? An unsaved person doesn't know what the heck that means. Saved from what? Right? So then people say, well, use born again. Are you born again? Well, what, what does that mean? What do you mean, am I born again? What does that mean? You know, Nicodemus asked that. What, what, can a man be born again when he's old? Can he go back into his mother's womb? You know, so it's important that you know, as a believer, how to defend that apologetic, right? Um, and be able to say, look, when Jesus died on the cross for our sin, right? He did that to save us from eternal separation from him. 
so that we wouldn't go to hell if we accept what he did for us on the cross. And when people don't talk about the cross of Christ, and, you know, I always say, um, you know, if you have a crossless Christianity, you don't have Christianity at all because you can't have Christianity without the cross. And so a lot of churches have removed the cross from their church building. That's a big deal if you think about it. A lot of churches don't serve communion anymore. That's a big deal if you don't think about it, you know, if you think about it. And so understanding the atonement and understanding what Jesus did on the cross is vital to your salvation because that's what you have to accept in order to be saved, right? If you believe, you know, that God so loved the world that he gave, how did he give that son? How did he give Christ on the cross? That's how he gave them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that is the gospel in a nutshell and that's all you got to do is believe john 1 12 says to as many as received him christ to them he gave the right to become children of god so there's a lie in our culture that says everybody is a child of god it's not true every every Human being is created in God's image, and we are all his created beings, but only those who receive Christ and what he did are children of God, and only the children of God get to spend eternity with him. The other, the others are not. The other are actually called the, the children of the devil. I mean, it's honestly what they're called. So the question is, what are you? Are you a child of the king, Jesus, or are you a child of the devil? Okay, so... Randall, do you want to weigh in on that? I, I think there's some questions or something coming in. Okay. Okay. You want to? Yeah, let me just scroll through this here. <laughs> Kim said, "My T-shirt would say I smashed smashed the chip." <laughs> Good. Okay. Let's see. Dennis said, ask, zero, ask Siri what zero divided by zero. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, very funny. All right, so what is the mark of the beast? I don't know if you want to answer that first. Um, sure, we can get to that scripturally. So let's... Uh, Go back to Revelation 13. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do here. Um... On, I'm pulling it up. I was going to look at chapter 20. But I love so how cool. Randall, like, based on what I'm saying, he's like pulling up stuff, like over here on this side, over here, no, over here. That, um, well, they can't, you can't see it, yeah. but I have this big thing in front of me. Dennis says it's our job to love the hell out of this world. Okay. All right. All right. Pick it up in verse 11. This is Revelation chapter 13. Read, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. Now, does it say he had lamb's horns and and had a dragon's tongue? No. He had two horns like a lamb. He spoke as a dragon. He exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence. Now, that first beast would be the... Um, 
the Antichrist, if it were. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or the, yeah. Anyway. So, he exercises authority, the first beast in his presence. So, it's like, it's like the, it's kind of the counterfeit Holy Spirit. The, we've got the unholy trinity here. We've got the Antichrist. We've got his Holy Spirit who works on behalf of the Antichrist. So, he exercises all authority, the first beast, in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs, so he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast, who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. So even the uh, the Antichrist has a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast. Now, so it's an inanimate object that somehow comes to life. So the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, going up here, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, which he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. So, we don't, we don't, doesn't tell us exactly, you know, what material, you know, the mark of the beast is. Is it a tattoo? Is it a chip? Is it a, you know, is it a hologram or something? Whatever it is, it's something that's used to control the masses so that you're unable to buy or sell unless you have this mark or or the 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 name of the beast either mm -hmm. this mark is either his name or his number and so the question here is does the mark of the beast necessarily be 666 well that's well it tells it says well the number well it says either the name of the beast or the number of his name and it tells us the number is 666 and when you look at scripture, six is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Um, I know there are some others that, um, about, um, you know, uh, marching around Jericho, they were doing six times the seventh day, you know, they marched around seventh time and, you know, that was God's coming. They do what they did for six days. And there's, there's others that, Escaping my mind, I can't point to chapter and verse, but and in sort of the numerology, not to be you know mysterious and right. metaphysical, but there are representations of things. You know, forty is completion. Moses was forty years in the wilderness, and 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 the the rains and the floods. You know, were forty days and forty nights, and right. But, you know, anyway. But six is this number of man. So. It tells us the number is that of a man. Right. And so, his number is 666, which is interesting because we have this 
Antichrist Trinity. We've got the Antichrist, his sort of his false it's, prophet well, that has the authority, and we have this image of the beast. I was gonna. I will say the Trinity of the Antichrist is the Pope <laughs> and a couple other people. Donald Trump and, <laughs> and, uh, and Warren Buffett. No, um, <laughs> George Soros. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, but so the the number is that of a man. His number is six hundred sixty six. It's a trinity of sixes. Hmm, interesting. So so well, Darren makes a good point, and I think I think obviously the Bible makes that. He says, "Great, so we know the mark of the beast doesn't come until the Antichrist has been identified right. and done all that evil first. So the mark isn't here yet." And here's the right. other thing: I believe the Bible preaches and teaches a pre-trib rapture. So I think that if you happen to see the Antichrist, you're in big trouble, mister. Just saying. That's what I personally think. Yeah, and it says, um, you know, uh, as many as do not worship the beast, image of the beast, to be killed. He was given the authority and made it so. Um, and so the idea is to enslave the population uh, or, you know, to make them... Uh, obedient and worship the beast. So it's not going to be anyone's going <gasps> to mistakenly take it. I don't think any because those that won't will be killed. Okay. Um, Barb, so, Barb makes some comments too. But yeah, it's definitely we're being the technology is there to make it possible that no one can buy or sell you know unless what? they have something. You know but what? I don't think it's going to be like, <gasps> whoops, I took the mark of the beast. I think what. I heard somebody saying, I don't know if it was Tom Horn or somebody else, but somebody in that group, they made the comment that they believed that the Antichrist was going to be like a holograph, a, ho a, holo a hologram, or it, it would be an image. It would be an image well, of... Well, that goes back to yeah. the, the false prophet or Holy Spirit. Well, maybe he's more like the, I don't know. In this trinity, it says it was given to him to give breath to the image of right. the beast. So the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Hmm. So whatever it is, is, is speaks and, Interesting. and gives breath to the image. So going back to the issue of salvation, Barb says non-emotional people may have trouble accepting the fact that they are saved without an emotional experience. Mm -hmm. It is our fault that this misperception perception exists but it can and frequently is emotional it just does not have to be to be real what i do is just treat the person as if they are saved and most of the time they come to accept themselves as being saved too and start to grow <laughs> i'm not gonna read that out loud that last comment not that good <laughs> I wouldn't know. I no, but but started. I but I did laugh as you can uh, see. Yeah. So you're you're gonna get me in trouble someday, Barb. <laughs> I'm not gonna read it first and then say it. But anyway, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so Martel says that might be a cryptic number, perhaps. Asking you. Um, I know, there's lots of speculation. There's volumes written on what it could be. Um, but we're just, we are just told that, Ugh. uh, let him who has understanding calculate the number. So I, I don't know what that means that maybe there is something cryptic about it, but I think when it, when it comes about that again, it's not going to be, uh, 
a mistaken thing. Anybody who takes the mark is going to go, oh, I didn't know that what that was for. I mean, the context is pretty clear that it's about worshiping the image of the beast, which is interesting. It, doesn't, it isn't worshiping the beast himself, the Antichrist, who has this resurrection, uh, who you know has a mortal wound in his race, and it's not his the false prophet, you know, who who exercises the authority, who's given the authority of, of, kind of, yeah, who to carry out the authority of of the beast, but it's actually setting up this image that the false prophet gives, or the the demonic prophet gives breath and speech to this image and causes people to worship the image. And that, that doesn't surprise me um, because that's a clear violation of the second commandment, as we call it, from Exodus chapter 20. You shall make no graven image you know, to worship and bow down to it. And it just flies in the face of that. Um, you know, Even having reverence for a human person is wrong, or even angels is wrong, but we're, exp you know, we're explicitly forbidden to worship an image, something that's not even alive. And, and so he gives breath and speech to this thing, but it's clear that it's an image and yeah. yet insists that people worship it. And that's, that's in clear opposition. Yep. To, so to God. Ariel Ministries would be a good place to go to get some Bible stuff. Go to ariel.org. Right now, they actually have, if you go to their store, you can get the highlights of the book of Daniel in DVD format. It's $39. You can save uh, you can save 20% when you use the coupon code Bible News. You can also get highlights of the book of Ezekiel. That's $49. You can save 20% on that. Um, and if you're interested in learning about the book of Revelation, you can also... Um, find their book on the their their bible study on revelation as well because daniel and revelation kind of go hand in hand um and so i encourage you to check that out you know every day you should be in god's word and i mean that are you people hmm? are you uh even a minute <laughs> you know bible says study to show thyself approved doesn't say like Read one Bible verse. <laughs> yeah. And we're all guilty of reading one Bible verse, and that's it. Taking it out of context, not understanding the context. But you grow as a disciple when you actually take the time to study. And I want to add, if you're not subscribed to the Ariel magazine. The great magazine. Great, and this month is on discipleship. It's about discipleship. And there's some great articles in there. Of course, this month is almost over. True, but you can still get, if nothing else, just this month. Oh. If not a regular subscription. Yep. So please support Ariel because they support us. And they bring this show to you. That's right. Brought to you in part by Ariel Ministries. The other part that's brought to you is uh, through you guys. When Pillars of the Community, or as Jennifer says, Pillagers of the Community. Jennifer has a funny sense of humor, people. Anyway, um... Yeah, if you want to be a pillar of the community, it just means you like us, you want to donate to us, you can do that over at our website, or you can do it at GibsonGo.com, Bible News, forward slash Bible News Radio, but our website's the best place to donate. If you just go and do that, that would be super cool and awesome. 
Um, totally would love that if you did that. And if you want to get Legal Shield or ID Shield Identity Theft Protection, that is also available. You can contact me directly through my website if you can't already figure out how to get through get to me some other way because it's pretty obvious. Um, you know, all the info is in our bio or BibleNewsRadio.com. People, info's down there. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. So what other? Um, Let's see. Doesn't the KJV say the mark is in the forehead? Um, well, yeah, there's actually, you know, it's interesting. You should bring that up, Kelly. So apparently uh, it says in the in your hand or on your forehead. And what's interesting is that I, I heard that chips, if they're put in your hand, which is where most of them currently are, then it's because of the heat sensor and the flow of blood in both the forehead area and in your hand that helps activate the chip to make it work. Um, so that's why I don't know who would want to actually have something put in their forehead. Though. That'd be kind of awkward, don't you think? Oh yeah, by the way, yeah, sure. Just mess the, my forehead up. I just would really appreciate that. Speak to any Hindu. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <sighs> anyway, um, would you like to read one of the next stories? Or do you guys have other questions? We can use the last couple of minutes for that. Okay, wait. 666 is the number of talents of gold collected by King Solomon each year. Interesting. Does the Bible describe Jesus? In Sweden, chip in hand to pay goods. Yes, actually in Sweden, they've already, they've done, they've been doing it for a couple of years now in Sweden. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to hit that thumbs up, people. I like it. So, let's see. I'm trying to get comments from all people. The reason it's on your head is because some people don't have arms and hands. Everyone has a head. Okay, that's what Darren says. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> I like my reason better. <laughs> But you're probably right, Darren, just so you know. Uh, that's funny. The way the Swedes are too progressive, in my opinion. Yes, read New Testament. Okay. Actually, read Revelation. You'll see a really good description of Christ there, because he's described there as the King of Kings who comes back. Or read the the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, and you'll see them there as well. Yeah. The other two stories I don't want to do. I changed my mind. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So. So. All right. Well, that's pretty much our show, unless you guys have some comments or questions. Tomorrow, Bareface is going to continue the Bible study, right, Bareface? Uh, yeah. What you said. <laughs> of course I am. Of course you are. I can, yeah, yeah, he do is. Something. Don't forget red moons. You mean the blood moon? Mm-hmm. Now I want to know what the stories were. Oh, now you want to know what stories were? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret. Yeah, it is. Actually, I think one of them I already covered, so... um, I did, actually. And the other one, I decided, eh, 
nah, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, bare face. Mm -hmm. Yep, you guys have any other questions? We will not be doing a show this coming weekend because we'll be in Utah. Yeah, we will. We're going to be in Utah. Mormon country. <laughs> we'll be witnessing to the Mormons out there. Yeah, we will. That's my goal. Salt Lake City. You guys have any good places to recommend going while we're in Salt Lake City? At the conference. Is it cold in Utah? I don't know. I hope so. It's hot here. Sharon says, good teaching. Bareface, you did a good job, buddy. Well, as did you. I did? Yeah. Hmm. Presentation of the simple gospel. Yep. Well, you know, God's word is great. That is. We're flying. <laughs> no, we're, I would. No, we're not driving. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Too much time. We can't afford to take that much time to... Don't drink, don't smoke or drink coffee in Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't smoke anyway. I do drink coffee, but it's usually decaf. So I think I'd be okay because, yeah. Anyway, wait. Hold on. I'm trying to see Dar Darren's comment. What was the scripture references for tonight's reading? Okay, so for tonight's reading... Um, the Psalm 139 is what I opened the program with because I played, I played a song from Francesca Battacilli. And let's see here. Bourbons don't allow stewed beverages, no tea or coffee. Well, I'm pretty sure they have. Not everybody's a Mormon in Utah, people, just so you know. So I guarantee you I can probably get coffee there. Yeah, there are. Many Mormons in Utah, especially in Salt Lake City, but I, not everyone is. I love the conversation. What will you be doing in Salt Lake? Do you have a Facebook Live on too? Yes, I do. Um, we will be uh, at the leadership conference for Legal Shield. Yeah, my other side gig. Um, it's going to be great. Bob Berg, the author of The Go-Giver, is going to be there. And Robin Arzon, who is the CEO of Peloton. I think that's right. Peloton. Peloton. Peloton, Peloton, whatever. Um, she happens to be a um, attorney, but she's the chief CEO at this exercise company. Uh, Revelation chapter 13. Um, so she's going to be speaking. Uh, I actually am going to the Ladies of Justice breakout because you guys know that I am a Lady of Justice. That's what this is, Ladies of Justice, here. And I happen to earn... Uh, front section seating for the event. Um, and I also will be serving in the booth there for Ladies of Justice. They asked if I would be willing to, to be one of the greeters and one of the, one of the leading Ladies of Justice people to, to greet people. Yep. Pedalon? Peloton. Uh, Peloton. Yep, that expensive branch. Robin is the... Um, VP of Fitness she's Programming yep. at Peloton. Yeah, so she's she's going to um yeah she's going to be speaking. 
So I've never heard her speak. I've heard Bob speak on YouTube. I have never heard Robin, though. And apparently it's a big deal because apparently Legal Shield has had, um, they haven't had a lot of women come in and speak until recent years. Uh, so because Ladies of Justice is celebrating their one-year anniversary in, in October, uh, I don't know if that's part of the reason they brought her in or not, but anyway, well, they're going to be the keynotes. Peloton's VP of Fitness Programming, Robin, believes that sweat transforms lives. Her journey to Peloton came after she literally ran herself out of a successful law career. Mm -hmm. Robin is passionate about guiding members past their limitations and excuses with inspiring authentic anecdotes. Author of the New York Times bestseller, Shut Up and Run. Yep. Robin is... RRCA certified running coach and ultra marathoner. Her life's mission is to redefine and rethink possibility through movement. Mm -hmm. Back to you. Back to me, Timmer. No. <laughs> I just love saying that. Uh, can I explain what Ladies of Justice is? Yes. Ladies of Justice is... This is my mug. Yeah, it is. Um... I sell Legal Shield, which is law insurance, legal insurance, personal legal insurance, um, and identity theft protection. And uh, so Legal Shield has been branded more masculinely to towards men. But so they finally, after 47 years, decided to actually brand it for women as ladies of justice. So that's all it is. It's just the branding. It's the branding aspect, but it's more fun, actually. Yeah, it's a cool mug. I had it personally made. It actually has my name on it. See? And it's a it's one of these that keep your coffee hot or your water cold, depending on what you put in it. I actually have a day-old coffee in here right now, which I'm not going to drink. So, uh, anyway. Uh, but, yeah. So, so, it's really cool. You know, I'm going to start doing probably a weekly or maybe every other week uh, Zoom that will be doing some presentations for ladies of justice. So anybody who's really seriously interested in wanting to know more can come to that with me and I'll explain it. So I'm trying to see here if there's any other questions. Are you a Trump supporter? Uh, and do you like MSNBC? <laughs> well, okay. Do I like MSNBC? I don't watch TV. I don't watch cable TV. I don't own cable TV. So no, I don't. <laughs> I don't waste money. And do I like, are you a Trump supporter? I support some of what he does. I don't support all of what he does. Like, I don't like the fact that he's, he promotes and supports the homosexual lobby. I think that sucks. But I do like the fact that he supports and defends Israel. So that's super cool. So, you know, do I think he's going to be impeached? Well, hmm. Let me see. In my lifetime, which has been short, um, I think, oh, that's a role. Okay. It's a robot. Okay. Well, I'll answer the question anyway. Um, I think as long as I can remember, every president has been threatened with impeachment since I've been alive, at least since I've been voting anyway. And I think that, um, I've seen it happen twice in my yeah, so... No, I, no I, I don't think... No, only once. Well, Nixon resigned. Yeah, before before impeachment proceedings, actually. Clinton was impeached. Right. Because he's a 
creep. Yeah, they actually yeah. completed the proceedings. And he but was they didn't formally... throw him. So impeachment, big deal. So what? If you get impeached, doesn't mean you're going to lose your seat. Right. Unless you're an ethical person, you get impeached, then maybe you like would be ethical and like leave on your own, you know. But no, of course not. And I don't think Trump did anything to be impeached for either. I just think the, I think the um, liberal media is just making a big to-do about nothing, really. That's why I don't watch it, because it's stupid. It's bread and circus. It, it has nothing to do with anything really serious going on. And, um, you know, I just think that... Uh, <laughs> I think that Trump has upset the elite... Unless he's playing the part of the elite by being part of the elite, but being clandestine about it. Who knows? I don't know. I don't really care. It really doesn't concern me that much. Uh, let's see here. Do you think Trump is ethical, moral, or sound? I'm going to see this. I'm going to see this is a real person. Hot potato. Oh, you got a lot of followers. Okay. Maggie. Um, well, do I think he's ethical, moral, or sound? I don't know him personally, so I can't tell you. I've never met him. And that's not a cop-out answer, okay? It's the truth. I have never met Donald Trump. Um, just so you know. Yep. And because I don't watch the liberal media, I can't tell you what the liberal media is saying, so I can't actually comment on that, to be honest with you. They are attempting a coup, huh? Okay, well, the CIA is an illegal move. There is no such thing as CIA whistleblower. He should be fired and prosecuted. This is a circus, but he's up to it. Yeah, of course he is. I don't think he's the Antichrist. Yeah, okay. Clintons were impeached because he gave our naval base, Long Beach, California, Chinese bad guys. Um, he's not the Antichrist. Reverend Graham called for the prayers for Trump to fight against Jezebel spirit. Yeah. Well, the Bible calls for prayers for those who are in authority, so. Good job, Franklin. Yeah, you did. It was great that you called for prayer for the president. <laughs> All right. I love how I love how people love to bring Trump up. I should just put Trump, Trump, Trump as this as the subject and see if we get highlighted again. <laughs> uh you love Trump even though you're a Canadian? That's cool. Hey, by the way, I um, want to let you know that um, uh, that Legal Shield will be opening up in all 10 provinces in Canada in October, just so you know. Let's see here. I chatted with you before with your psychologist pal. Oh, okay. Oh, so you must have called in when me and Jennifer did something. Is that what you're saying? Hello from Mexico. Yeah, I've been to Mexico once, just so you know. That was it. <laughs> Don't lie to you. Okay, do you know that Chinese has a car called... I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Ouch. No, no, I didn't mean that in a mean way. <laughs> Why don't evangelicals call out Trump's behavior as unchristlike? I have, actually. You apparently haven't less listened to the show enough. Yes, you and Jennifer. What is the theme of your conversation? Well, right now we're just killing time. We already had our show, really. This is kind of the after show glow at the end of the show. <laughs> Until 
Uh, let's see. January 2020, I will talk to my husband about Legal Shield. Okay, cool. No one does, and I don't know what that means. Okay. Any other questions, people? Uh, by the way, if you didn't get the book I mentioned yesterday, it's still free. Um, I know I was trying to tweet everything out, and I got an anxious listener saying, where's the link to that book? So if you guys happen to want this book, um, it's, it is here. Let's see here. I forgot the name of the book, but I gotta scroll down here. I can tell you. Um, take me just a minute to get to it. Okay, it's called Love Your Vets, like as in, um, you know, veterans. And if you go to Amazon and you type in Love Our Vets, V-E-T-S, yes, yes, go there. Um, and it's by Welby O'Brien, W-E-L-B-Y, and then O'Brien is the last name with an E, O-B-R-E-I, no, O-B-R-I-E-N. Okay. The book is called Love Our Vets. It's practical information for those suffering from PTSD and depression. And they're giving it out free on Kindle. Today is the last day uh, because this September is the end of Suicide Awareness Prevention Month. Okay. So do that if you want that free book. Okay. Let's see. What else do we have here? Okay, let's see here. Let's see. Okay. Is it mentioned in the Bible where the Antichrist will be from or appear from? Yes. Are you pretty good? What? I don't know what that means. Okay. No, I haven't listened, but you just sidestepped a Trump question and bashed liberal media. I didn't sidestep any question. I answered... What kind of hair products do I use? That's a great question. You know, there's so many. If you email me, I'll send you a list after the show. Because there's so many to choose from. Let's see. Let's see here. God does not call the perfect. If you are without sin, let you cast the first stone. Why are women are why are the women complicated? Nobody wants it, especially if it's free. Okay, yep, I don't usually religion, but I just popped in, okay? I can barely get into your show, and the replays don't necessarily open. You know what? Watch on YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is no problem. Periscope has problems. I really love this after-talk show, Chit Chat. My mom says free stuff is poverty mentality. Buy them. Well, it's for free right now. You can buy it tomorrow if you'd like. <laughs> hey, Annette. She says hi to you, Randall, and me too. And did you know that the 40% of the homeless are male vets? I did not know that. You're good. Yes. And subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, we're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. We got a long ways to go, people. Any, okay, let's see. I got my shirt, Stacy. Good. 
I was wondering about that. So you're going to take a picture, right, of yourself with it, and then you're going to give it to me so I can show it to everybody, right? That would be cool. Any hairstylist or owner of hair products delivered to our Lynn for free or free advice? <laughs> oh, you guys crack me up. Uh, okay. All right. You're not a big fan of YouTube, really? Hey, you know what? That's where I watch everything is on YouTube. Okay. All right. You got one more minute, people. One more minute to ask me questions that are serious or not. Not so serious. Okay. <laughs> I'm a cool lady. Well, thank you. Except at night when I'm having lots of hot flashes, people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, is that it, Bareface? Yeah, I guess so. I mean... You don't have any comments? You know what you're going to talk about t tomorrow night? Nope. No? No. Okay. Well, Randall is going to teach about something tomorrow. We don't know what, people, so we can't even tell you ahead of time. But I guarantee it that um, if you um, tune in, you'll hear something. Yeah, you will. <laughs> what? I don't know. And you know what? Hey, I probably do organic hair conditioner. You know what? Hey, Maggie, do me a favor. If you know of a good organic uh, conditioner for my hair. I would totally love that because my hair is very dry and it's, it needs to be cut and it doesn't seem to matter what I buy. My hair has a very hard time retaining moisture. It either gets too heavy weighted down by certain products or it doesn't get moist enough. So this is a problem. Yeah, it is. And clearly you pointed this out. So <laughs> So if you have a solution or a product you would like to send me so I could try it out, that would rock. I would welcome that in a heartbeat. Just saying. All right. Uh, you're on it? Good. Okay. So um, coconut oil makes me itch. Go figure. Seriously. Yeah, I probably do need a hair salon treatment, but the truth is I can't afford it right now. So that's why I haven't gotten it. Uh this was, I own my hair for sure. Keep America great. That's right, people. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep, well, make America great again. Yeah, okay. All right, this is it, people. <laughs> By the way, so much for the original commentary, people. I mean, really, do I make comments about your hair or your typing or anything like that? Do I, huh? <laughs> I don't. So anyway. All right. Have a good night, you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, be bold. Stand up, people. And go with God because he loves you. <laughs> yeah, he does.